1: 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and On Demand, um, Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. If you're listening live on Sunday, thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news. They do it every Sunday morning from 11.30 till noon, and of course they're on um, podcast and On Demand as well. 3CR broadcasting from the lands of the original inhabitants and paying respects to elders past and present. You can get in touch with this show in lots of ways, um, lots of ways to do it in this day and age of technology. And one of them is email out at the pan 855 at gmail.com. Um, you can text six one four zero one zero seven eight nine eight one, And you can um, look for me on Twitter at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. And you can look on Facebook as well for my page or, or the Out of the Pan page, Out of the Pan, 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And you can also get in touch the old fashioned way. I got a postcard a few weeks ago that I forgot to mention. Thank you very much to um, Ruth um, for sending that in. Very nice of you to say that how much you enjoy the show. Really do appreciate that. And um, you know thank you for taking the time to write and so you enjoy it and thank you to all the listeners on the show well um been a few weeks since i spoke to you live live radio and all that sort of thing um yes i've had quite a quiet couple of weeks haven't i um yeah not really um did turn the big 50 and i honestly feel like it does begin at 50 i'm going to talk a bit about that throughout the show today um also Though I'll be talking to and with and communicating with um, the fabulous Eleven Greenstones, a voice that a name that may be familiar to 3CR listeners, and Eleven's going to talk about um, the Polypermaculture um, weekend. Now, that's um, you might be going, what the heck's that about? Well, the only way to find out is to stay tuned and listen throughout the show. It's pretty easy. Um, but yes, I've had, as I say, an exciting. Uh, really quiet couple of weeks. Not um, you know turning fifty, that sort of thing. But as much as I was always told, you know, is it relevant to the listeners? It was a very nice thing to receive um, Globe's GLBTI Victorian of the Year award um, on Friday the sixteenth, which was my fiftieth birthday. I've got to say the community can look pretty schmick when it has to. Um, full credit to that. Very glammy. And yeah, I just got to say that um, some you know I've spent the last two weeks replaying the um, panel that was not my favourite part of the year, um, which seemed to be taken over by marriage equality, well, I've got to say, um, by, you know, declaring, we'll say, better say declaring all bias, it was a very nice moment and it shows that um, I think that our community um, can sort of, does can and does care and does note people who put a lot in and I did feel very moved by the ovation and the birthday wishes. And so I hope that, well, I know for me, Personally, it was a nice turning point that did help leave the past behind. We'll have a track on the end of the show today to um, talk about that. But it was a very, very nice moment and um, very much appreciated. Um, In the words of Robert Dippey-Domenico at the 1986 Brownlow, um, I only went for the free feed. No, not true. Um, I I went along not having any expectations um, or anything like that and just um, decided to enjoy the night and um, decided I'd better not have too much alcohol and didn't, probably just as well. Um, and thank you, Hannah Gadsby, for giving me your flowers. Oh, you're so beautiful. Um, and um, yes, um, everyone's recovered from the the burnt eggplant, but we won't go into that. That's an in-joke. Seriously, on your community, um, ups and downs of it all, I suppose sometimes we can forget, like life, we forget the um, downs in the middle of the ups Or the ups in the middle of the downs. Got that wrong. We could do both. Um, But they're both important. Part of life's journey, I suppose. So thank you very much for that. And, um, yeah, back to work this week. There were some, um, well, there were bears with sore heads. And there were all parts of the community with sore heads, I think, on Monday morning. But some of the queer media were up doing their photos on the Saturday morning. Um, Hashtag caffeine. But it does show that our community um, can... I think, appreciate things and work together. I know I talk a bit on this show about issues of lateral violence and that sort of thing, and they do need to be talked about, but it's one of the things I always think about. We've sort of got to have the proverbial um, ups and downs and trying to put a balance across of both, and I think the community did it. And I've got to say, yesterday, um did... Um, need the caffeine early Um thankfully not um, well-planned community um, not after the the night after the globe awards about 50 of victoria's gel bti and closely allied community reps and i know some who weren't able to make it got together for a bit of a well rainbow strategy session which i think is very much needed there's been attempts to get them rolling before i know also did a few years ago and then unfortunately of course also um fell down and i think that was been something that's missing. So well done to Globe, Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby, Gay and Lesbian Health Victoria and declaring an interest. TGV was a partner in organising this event. And well, I, you know, there was some apprehension, would it be inclusive? Um, And it was. I think a lot of people are now aware that whilst marriage gets a lot of the debate, there's a lot of issues in the community And that a lot of people are feeling a bit left behind. And there was, you know, it was interesting when there was a survey during the week and around a list of topics of all sorts were put out there. And they're all important. And obviously, every group is specialising in what they're doing. But um, it was how can we work together better as a GLBTI community? And it was very pleasing to see that one of the top six topics that when we split into small groups was um, connecting the not connected. And this is, I think, a thing that's really, really important now. Um, Yes, it does seem that, to a large extent, gay and lesbians well on the map. Trans, at least binary trans, is somewhat on the map. Um, But it was nice to see people realising the need to include, ensure regional and rural inclusion. Obviously, people like Damien Stevens up in Shepparton and many others, um, Suzanne Prosser in Geelong are doing great work. But still more to go. Um, Disability, it was great. To finally meet Jane Green from Scarlet Alliance and vixen must get her in to the show in due course to have a chat about what they do, um, which I think is really important, so great to see someone representing queer sex workers there a voice that doesn't often get heard, and so a very awesome day, and there will be results published and discussion and um, all sorts of things so yep, wow, community can work it out. But I, do say, I say that with a little bit of dry humour. I do think I have to say, you know, this um, you know Melbourne community, I'm very grateful that I live here. I think we do have a lot going. The fact that we have 3CR and Joy and queer programs on Sin and Rainbow Radio in the country, you know, let's be grateful for that and, um, you know, sort of um, build on it. And, um, you know, we do seem to cooperate well and people, you know, and the, the insightful people from overseas do notice it. Well, um, in my best Bill Laurie voice, we're Victorians. Seriously, well done. And um, we'll keep it rolling, including this show, which um, you know, does some hashtag binary busting. And we're certainly going to do that after the next track, which is In Excess. Um, I'm going to talk about various forms of relationships. So In Excess from the swing, love is whatever you make it, I suppose. 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. <laughs> How to Make Trouble and Influence
0: People 2016 Diary will be launched at Friends of the Earth Food Co-op on Friday, November the 13th, between 6 and 8 p.m.
1: Join us at 312 Smith Street for speeches, readings and performances of classic Australian protest songs by Laura McFarlane and
0: Jimmy Ratt. A benefit for 3CR and the lost Cedros Biological Reserve, the diary features... 366 radical dates in Australian history plus dozens of images and stories. Copies will be available on the night or can be ordered via freecr.org.au. How to make trouble and influence people is a FreeCR supporter. from cash savage and the last drinks and little rabbit i recommend you jump in and subscribe to 3cr because it's one of the few stations around that supports underground local music just 110 dollars gets your band behind melbourne's longest running activist radio station discounts from local businesses and a recording of your live set Get online at 3cr.org.au or call 94198377 and become a band subscriber.
1: 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand lots of ways to support 3CR and be involved in some way or another out of the pan. And is the program covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex, gender, or I think I can say in relation to our next guest, relationship diversity. Because we just heard in excess from the swing, love is what I say it is, um, um, written by pretty much all the members of the band and one other person. And um, well, on the line to talk about a form of relationship diversity in a way, um, the polyculture design course. And let's find out what that's about with a voice. Um, A person whose voice is, I think, somewhat familiar to 3CR listeners, Um, Eleven Greensteins. How are you going? I'm really great, Sally. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Um, We've got to, of course, give a mention, I think, before we get into the interview to talk about Food Fight, Um, um, of course. (laughs) Let's
0: talk about Food Fight. That was uh, an amazing part of my personal growth, a lot of learning for me around the politics of food, particularly the production of food and agribusiness, um, and learning with a team of people that I produced and presented Food Fight with about the kind of dastardly things that big business um, does to control the food chain and how people are impacted on it, about it, impacted by it in ways that really need highlighting because it affects us. Obviously, food is one of those basic sustaining. Things in life that we need, and to get information about who's controlling the food chain and what is happening to food production, and and how big business is dipping in to try to control that, and how that was, how that's being supported by, by governments, and and how local farmers, um, were starting at the time that we started Food Fight, how local farmers and producers were starting to try and cut out everything between them and the people who were consuming their food, so. We started that show some years ago now when farmers markets were just starting to um, to establish themselves yeah. around Victoria. It was a really exciting time and I learned so much. And a lot of it was really scary, but we always tried to balance all that scary stuff um, about biotechnology and um, companies like Monsanto and Syngenta controlling the food chain with, you know, what are local organic farmer's doing and here's a tip for how you can grow tomatoes in your own backyard and what are the benefits of organic and biodynamic and permaculture methods. So that was a great show. But then before that, Sal, I used to be on 3CR doing the sewers show, Squatters and Unwaged Workers anyways. Yeah.
1: 5 5.30 Fridays. You yeah. You're a 5.30 person.
0: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I don't mind an afternoon show. And up here on um, 92.9 River FM, I'm oh, involved yes. in a show called Fierce which is a weekly queer show on our local community radio station. And we have a listenership of um, the local queer and trans community. There's a strong lesbian and gay community up here. And, of course, the radical fairy community uh, uh, have been here for quite some time and are entrenched in their stronghold in the bush. Yeah. Yeah. Playing and having fun. So we've got a, a great community radio station in the Northern Rivers. And there's also one at Byron, which we can... Up here in Lismore, Bay FM. So we're doing well for community radio stations.
1: Long may community radio live, and um, yeah, lots of yeah, intersection. True that. It's
0: lots a very of... democratic. It's a very democratic medium. I think like most people can mm. afford a transistor radio and some batteries, and you can just take that anywhere.
1: Yep. Well, we should all be able to afford a trans. Boom,
0: boom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But intersections, <laughs> um, you've, we've mentioned food and planting things and oh. um, culture. Um, today, though, you're, we're, um, we're sort of intersecting, um, talking about the polyculture design course, yes. intersections between polyamory and permaculture, and there's some degree of relationship anarchy in there. So I thought we might just need to just get an idea of what, relation, what your definition is of relationship anarchy or a reasonable one. Go for, go for your life before we dive in.
0: Sure. Um I think that I need to preface this kind of conversation by saying that I don't claim any expertise about it. And I think it's uh, an important thing to say before expressing my own opinions or my own knowledge and ideas about it is that there's such a collective wisdom about mm-hmm. about relational anarchy and people's lived experiences are really the, the things that inform our ideas and our concepts around it. So for me... Um, the idea of non-hierarchical ways of connecting with people and opportunities to challenge unquestioned hierarchies in my life started to develop when I met a bunch of anarchists in Wellington, New Zealand, when I moved there. And I realised that a lot of the ideas that they were talking about, trying to eliminate um, some of the conditioning that that in the cultures that I grew up in, in um middle-class, middle New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were hierarchies that were just a part of life and they were almost unquestioned by my family of origin, the state, for example. Church definitely got questioned in my family of origin and my cultures and then I went off to university and, and that was a very, very hierarchical institution. And those, um, those ways of relating to people, like some folks are more important than other people, um, we see that in a lot of different ways mm. around economics, particularly the rich and powerful yep. and most people who are accumulating wealth um, do so to the detriment of, you know, with the Occupy movement, the 1%, the 99%, to the detriment of the majority. And it happens around race. It happens around sex and sexuality and gender, as you know. And and I think that, that interpersonal relationships is that sphere where we can take an anarchist perspective and like we queer things queer as a verb, where you, you take mm-hmm. a lens and you look at um, a relationship between people where it's interpersonal, it might be uh, romantic, sexual, intimate, it might be platonic, intellectual, emotional. The idea that people aren't graded, um, it yeah. challenges the, the the sort of a, a non-monogamous view that is quite narrow of relationships being hierarchical where, as a model... For example, someone is in a primary relationship and then they may have secondary partners as well. And this kind of ranking of people or ranking of relationships is something that I find relational anarchy questions just by its very existence. And even the word itself suggests that it's about questioning hierarchies and the ways that we do that where somebody might be um, talked about as our primary partner or that they... That their feelings, their ideas, their needs and desires are given primacy over other people. And relational anarchy, as I understand it and I experience it, is really questioning the value of trying to not give a person more value in my life because I fuck them. Not giving somebody more value in my life if they are co-parenting with me or if they are... Um, living with me, for example, but that I've actually consciously looked at the value of the relationships that I have in my life and and I can see the value and importance of each of those and it's not related to any uh, particular sort of activity, particularly mm-hmm. stuff that you know I got taught growing up about why somebody is going to be more important to me in my life and that could be um, because I love them It could be because we're raising kids together. It could be because we cohabit. We're in a domestic partnership. It might be because we have sex. And I talk about that with my friends a lot. Even the other day, I had a a new friend over for dinner, and we were discussing it, how relationships change when sex is involved. And that gets influenced by other people as well. I I have um, a few examples in my life, and even really simple ones. Like, if I get into a car with a group of people and I'm driving, I will see my friends jump in the back seat, assuming that my lover or my girlfriend, my partner, my lady friend will ride So in the passenger seat next to me. Mm-hmm. And this is just a very small and perhaps banal example of something that I see happening where it's not just about how me and that person relate together, but how other people influence how, how we relate and the dynamic that we have together and how we're all kind of colluding to support this idea of coupleness. Yeah. and coupled him and um and the pursuit of the relationship escalator may be um mm a Concept that you've talked about on your show before, and your listeners may be
1: familiar with or not. Have you heard of that before? I I have, yes. I haven't um, got around to getting someone in, you know, that you know, the relationship escalator talking about, you know, whether it's monogamy or polyamory, you know, we have to, and I'm being really badly exaggerated, it's not the best definition, but you know, we have to have a picket fence and a mortgage and 2.4 kids, Mm. regardless of the, we'll say, mono or poly or sexual orientation of those involved, whereas some people just don't see it that way. There's lots of different ways to do it.
0: Yeah, and that there are sort of markers of what a successful relationship is, and we're going to follow those. So when you get on on the relationship escalator, you start by dating, and then as your feelings develop um, and you're still riding the escalator, those feelings of love and connection mean that you want more security, so maybe you cohabit, and then you might um, demonstrate your commitment to each other in a public ceremony and then you might decide to have children and and all of these little steps. It's really interesting to me because I think that different um, sex, sexuality and gender cultures, we all have our different relationship escalators. It's not like there's just one ride that we all Mm. jump on, but the different cultures actually do have our own different escalators and, and people give us more cred because our relationships are seen as successful. If we're on the relationship escalator, Mm. At, at different stages, like that's the kind of credibility we get from other people.
1: Yeah,
0: um, be, because we're riding that escalator, and so one of the things that I that's important has been important to me is is it's just all about questioning that and and yep. consciously designing my life according to what my needs are and what the needs are of the people that I'm in relationship to, and if by chance. Um, starting by dating and falling in love and cohabiting and having children and getting a mortgage and the picket fence is what I consciously choose, then I'm empowered to embrace Mm. that. But if I'm doing it because, you know, I read Cinderella so many times when I was a kid (laughs) and I just want the prince with the glass slipper and a really great ball gown, and who doesn't, frankly?
1: I've seen your Facebook profile photo, but anyway.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, that's um, that's a, an alter ego of mine. That's a whole other story. Her name's okay. Jenny Jones. She's Miss she's North Lismore, 2015. But you know these stories that that I really took on as I was growing up about what does it mean to be in a successful relationship? What does it look like for me? And one of the many avenues of personal research that I've done in my life is about making sure that I'm not just doing that because I've heard a story, a, a fairy tale about what that is but what does that success actually look like for me and this is part of the reason that I want to bring this course is that after Mm. hours and hours of of conceptualization and and exploration and inquiry I've I've come to understand that that polyamory my and my polyamorous life and the challenges that I have within it can be supported by permaculture
1: yeah. Now this is where we come down to the what the, the course is about, and I'm, you know, I'm curious to get the interpretation of it, or you know, I'll say the your interpretation of what you, the course you're running is.
0: What I found, Sally, was that, um, like my like my sexual orientation, there was a process for me of coming out. There has been a process for me of coming out into polyamory, and really exploring what my edges are around that, and that's certainly not something that. It's not a process that I've finished. I hope it's going to be, you know, lifelong learning, like a lot of mm-hmm. other fabulous things in my life. But it's not like I just woke up one day and went, oh, cool, you're polyamorous, great. Well, let's get on with that. It's not always easy in the same way that being queer and trans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, present us with challenges. It's like we've just got to, you know, work with our with our truest, honest self to be as shiny as we can. And one of the things that I've recognised in studying permaculture is that the principles of permaculture and the ethics of permaculture and the tools of permaculture can really help me in some of the things I find challenging about polyamory. Yeah. And so I latched onto this idea and, my, you know, my, my brain just wants to know more. And because some of the challenges for me in a polyamorous life are... Oh look! A lot of your listeners are probably gonna who have either heard of polyamory or are living polyamorous lives will be familiar with with some of those challenges. Yeah. When somebody that I love and care for and am hot for finds somebody else attractive, I can really easily get into a reaction of of possessiveness of competition. But I want you to love me more. I want to be more than that. I want, it's not. What are you doing? Don't get away and wanting to scratch somebody's eyes out because <laughs> I feel threatened, I feel a myriad of different emotions. And you know what I came to consider about jealousy and some of those other strong emotions that that an open relationship and an open life and the kind of freedom and autonomy that I feel as a gift to myself and to the people that I love. Some of those some of those challenges are really it's really fun to think about them and some of the analogies that I can draw from gardening mm-hmm. so one of the things that I present in the course is the possibility that we can that we can look at jealousy as one of the pests that comes into a garden and as we're uh, turning our, our soil and integrating um, good compost into it and and cultivating our soil for a healthy garden, and using that as an analogy for ourselves, and we're looking at um, plant guilds and what different plants go well together. And the fact that garlic and um, and onion and other members of the Allium family are not really they're not really great friends with some of the legumes, like the peas and the beans. And and beans, for example, like to hang out with squash and corn and other plants. So we have these different plant guilds. Um, of, of different plants that like to go together, companion planting. You might have heard of it, as and similarly, people and the way that we live our lives, we tend to hang out with people that we like. Mm. So here I am cultivating my garden, and I might be designing it in a way so that there are guilds, and I and I come to recognise that there are groups of people or individuals that I like to hang out with, and sometimes those those people get on and sometimes they don't, but if I try and force them together it's not really gonna work. And and as I'm consciously designing my garden and I've and I've got a great diversity In my garden, because I don't want a monoculture, I want there to be diversity and to explore many different things. But you know what? I might get slugs and snails coming along, and I might get the odd grasshopper, and there could be a cabbage white moth. And what am I going to do? Because I know that they're coming. And it's not like I can condemn these creatures for coming for my juicy-looking tomatoes or my lovely lettuces, because they're just so lush and beautiful. And I've worked so hard to cultivate a fertile, rich Mm -hmm. garden that's going to grow things that nourish me and... Um, and, and and help me be the the healthiest, strongest, best nourished person that I can be, and then goddamn, this little white cabbage moth comes along and go, wow, that leafy green looks like the perfect spot to plant my eggs, and rather than begrudge the cabbage moth or pretend that it's not there, how can I use a tool that permaculture offers me, like integrated pest management? to deal with that issue. So there are different techniques and, and skills and tools that we can use from, uh, from organic gardening and biodynamic gardening and permaculture design that allow us to accept that these pests are going to want to come into our garden and that we can use different techniques. It's, it doesn't have to be um, poison. It doesn't have to be um, beer traps for the snails. It could be a myriad of different things and we can use these tools to better enable our garden to withstand the pests when they come because we know that they are. So the whole course is full of these kinds of analogies and, and some of them are um, you know conceptual and some of them are really concrete. There are um, all kinds of different activities that I want to do in, in the course um, and we've only got a day. So it's a pretty mm. jam-packed program, but I also wanted to keep it really old school because I personally am not really very tech savvy. I'm a bit of a Luddite, but also I just don't think that we have to get very, um, you know, we don't, I I don't like to use tools that don't feel, Mm. that don't feel good in my hand. So for me, I like paper and scissors and I like colored pencils and I want to draw pictures and my stick figures aren't really that great. And it's not about that. It's just about putting pen to paper and and um, creating duels. We're going to be doing some mind mapping. There's going to be some design work as well. We're going to be drawing and discussing different ideas and, and doing mind maps where um, – do you know what a mind map is, Sally?
1: I do. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I could say, ironically for radio, I can picture it, yes.
0: <laughs> Go on then. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested in in giving people – the opportunity to sit down and think of themselves as a garden, and like permaculturalists do, we're going to design um, our a zone system, mm-hmm. um, where you start in the centre with the house at zone zero, and then you go out to zone one and two and three, and and each of these different zones are a greater distance from what might be the homestead at ground at. Zone 0, which is also, we could see the analogy there for ourselves, and go all the way out to Zone 5, which is, you know, potentially a kilometre from the house, and it might be the trees that you plant that 25 years later are, be, are going to be cut down for, for wood. And obviously um, there's oh, chicken coops and compost bins and maybe some beehives and some fruit trees growing in the different, the different places in these... Um, on your property, as close to the house or as far away from the house as it's you. And so we're going to draw these kind of maps. But in order to understand where we want these different elements in our design, we need to give an assessment of our own internal landscape and what it is that we need. Do we need a herd spiral right at the back? At the back. Door? Mm-hmm. And who in our lives is that herb spiral? Or what activities are those herb spirals? Who are the the people and what are the things that in my life I want closest to me, like I would my leafy greens in the garden? And then who are the people that are very important to me but I don't need to engage with them every day? They might be, in zone three with the chickens or with the fruit trees. And so mm-hmm. we're going to consciously design this internal and external landscape. We're going to play a few games, do a role play about um, pretending to be the perfect poly person and maybe just gently stand ourselves up and remind <laughs> ourselves that we we don't have to be the perfect poly person. But if we get to make up in our own minds who that person is and then embody that character and do that, then maybe it'll be, you know, part of an experience of going, you know what, it's okay that I'm not that person. And then when when somebody that I love um, has affection for somebody else, that's not always completely comfortable for me. And you know what, that's just okay. And we're going to be exploring how these design principles, there are 12 design principles of, of permaculture, how they can help us in our polyamorous life, how they can nourish us and support some of those challenges. Um, and, and the zone and sector mapping is one that I'm really excited about because I think if we, if we consciously design our lives, if we, if we understand all of the different elements in our lives and that we bring these to our lives because we need them, and then once those elements are in our lives, they have needs of their own. You can't just have a herb spiral at the back gate without tending to it. Mm-hmm. And so if, again, with this analogy, there's somebody in our lives that is our herb spiral, what is it that they need? Um, and, and how do we go about making sure that we can consciously design a, a, um, a beautiful and enriching life where we're all getting our needs met, and, and we can do that using permaculture as an analogy, looking at the ethics, which is quite interesting to me actually. That permaculture and polyamory do have quite a number of shared ethics, mm. and, and both require a really, a really ethical approach. To um, to what you're doing relating to people, um, you know, managing gardens, designing um, designing properties, things like that. So there really is a lot that can be taken from permaculture to support a polyamorous life. I'm really looking for people to come who have um, either experience in or identify with any kind of non-monogamy, whether it's polyamory, relational anarchy, any kind of non-monogamy, mm-hmm. and people who are curious about how permaculture, what permaculture has to do with any of that, and um, folks who, who want to support their polyamorous life and are interested in this kind of really explorative and open learning environment. I, I like a really relaxed classroom. You know, this research for me has been so huge and it's just taken over so much of my brain. I was talking to somebody about it the other day and went, mm-hmm. you know what, this could be a PhD, really. But who the hell wants to go to university and sit down and write stuff? I just want to talk about it under a shady tree with people. Yep. I do. I want to get in a classroom and have a chat with them about it. So I'm hoping that people will be really willing to share a little bit of themselves because I don't want to present myself as an expert on this. I'm just bringing the ideas that I have come up with, and I'm hoping that people will will roll with it, you know?
1: Yep. So it's just, I, I, re- I have to say, it just sounds like an amazing sense of connecting various communities um, as well, yeah. a great deal of learning and a great deal of fun if people want to do it. What do they have to do?
0: Well, wow. thank you so much for asking. Um, the best way to, to get in touch with me is via email. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that most of your listeners will have um, internet access. Um, and my email address is Polyculture Design. P-O-L-Y, culture, design at gmail.com. So emailing me is a really great way to get in touch and and have a chat about anything, any questions that you have about the course. Um, I can send out um, the course outline to people. There's also an event on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, which I know you, Sally, you've probably got that up on your
1: laptop as we speak. How did you know that, that <laughs> I'm looking at the Polyculture Design course, Intersections Between Polyamory and Permaculture with, well, look, I'm not the... Um, sort of expert of what it is, um, but it looks like a big sunflower. Um, yes, uh, yeah, um,
0: beautiful yeah. flower. So, if you look into that picture, Sally, this is what I'm talking about: conscious design. Like mm. that, that flower has been—it it has responded to its environment and invo- and evolved in a particular way in response to its environment. And oh. and I think that's what human beings do as well. I think we can really take a lot from nature to positively inform and enrich our own lives. That's a big part of what I. What I want to do, um, I only want to. I don't, I don't want a huge. I don't want a huge crowd to be. To be honest, I don't like facilitating workshops that have a, a sense of just being too crowded, and 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 there's just too many people. So for me, what would be ideal is a group of about uh, twenty, maybe twenty five people. Um, to come along, we've I've booked CoWork Co, which is in East Brunswick. I don't know if you know that one.
1: I don't know.
0: Oh, it's um, it's a beautiful space. There's going to be heaps and heaps of room for for the breakout sessions that I want to do for us to pull out the butcher's paper and draw all over it and get our coloured pencils out and and draw pictures. And um, we're really going to be able to um, move out. So that that location is on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um. And in order to secure your place, you've got another week to uh, for the early bird price of $150. So for $150, bucks, you get a full day's workshop, and you're going to leave with a polyculture design manual. So just like you go to your permaculture design course and talk about designs and then design your garden, at the polyculture design course, you leave with a polyculture design manual, and you can t- leave that, tuck that under your arm and refer to it later. So it's $150 for the day um, and we're going to start, I'd like people to arrive at about 20 to 10 on Saturday the 21st, um, just so that we can get started and, you know, we're probably going to be leaving at about 5, 5.30, but we're going to have plenty of breaks in between. So because of the day, the day will be really full and very rich I need people to come with their best brains and will really be working together I want all the expertise that is in that room to, to just I want boundless ideas and inspiration for people and and to be able to take that away for them um, for the rest of their lives I think this is going to be a really uh, a really positive course for people who are looking at non-monogamy and and how they can how they can support it and people who are curious about what how permaculture intersects with it. There's really so many ways that these two systems of thinking can help can help each. And, and again, mm-hmm. the principle of permaculture is to look at how different systems and how different flows of energy and different inputs can support or, in some cases, be detrimental to other systems. So I'm just looking at the relationship between these two systems, these two ideas and concepts and constructs in my own life and extrapolating from that and offering people these ideas as possibilities to help their own lives. So get in touch, Design at gmail.com. Check it out on Facebook. Um, and and get in touch with me with any questions. As I said, it's $150 before the 31st of October. And if you don't get in before the early bird price, then it's $180. I've also reserved a couple of places because I think it's really important that money isn't a barrier for people. Yeah. And, and for me, it's just an unacceptable option obstacle for this kind of you know education and this kind mm. of growth. yeah so in order to acknowledge inequality and and um, economic inequity um there are there is a possibility to exchange things other than money um so i've reserved a couple of places for that and and if and if the amount of the workshop presents an issue for people i'd also like them to know that i'm really open to talk about you know payment plans or how we can make it more accessible for them
1: okay then well, look, this is awesome. It sounds to me like it's, it certainly sounds like an Australian first, possibly a world first and um, it's happening right here in Melbourne and it is happening, we should add on the 21st of November um, sure. in a few weeks time, but um, yeah, hopping in the next week or so for the early bird. Um, 11, wow, just so many intersections there. My, my mind's mm. buzzing a bit. Um, <laughs> so really, really awesome. Um, I'll keep um, mentioning on the show in the next couple of weeks, um, but also um yeah, um, you know, look for it as, it as on Facebook and, yeah, and the Coworker Co is in Alan Ligon Street, East Brunswick, here in Melbourne. Eleven, enjoy the North Coast in the meantime and um, all the things that you do and good to have your voice on 3CR.
0: Thanks so much for the chance to talk about it with your listenership, Sally. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show and the rest of the day.
1: Shall do. Catch you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye
0: for now. Bye, love.
1: The Fab 11 Greenstones. Um, wow. I... I just sat there, it's one of those um, interviews where I just sit there and learn, um, which is a good thing to do. Um, and you're right, um, I think Eleven made a really pertinent point there that, um, you know, sort of, you know, Eleven's keep keeps on learning about um, um, poly and permaculture, I keep learning about trans and gender diverse and buying everything as we go on, you never stop. All right, let's have um, a breather and a bit of a quick track, and then come back with the things that are coming up and wrap it all up. Um well, it doesn't have to be, but um, it can be whatever you make it. Here's um, The Black Sorrows from the Better Times album and Ian Moss on guitar, guesting, and Ain't Love the Strangest Thing. 3CR, am digital 3 crorgau out of the pan with Sally. 3CR has all kinds of music programs for you to hear. From blues to hip-hop, reggae, classical, punk, jazz, soul, indigenous, experimental, indie, metal and other music styles. Check out 3cr.org.au on the World Wide Web for more info. 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au. Amazing conversation with Eleven there. So many aspects to it all, and it all sort of came together. Better just quickly rip through things, what are coming up, if you're listening on the Sunday today, and get time listening to us in um, in the first broadcast or on demand up until around, well um the rest of the, most of the rest of the day. Um the Poly Social is on um um still checking, settling down new venues after the sudden closure of the previous one. This time the Noble Experiment, two hundred eighty four Smith Street. Um Jamie Noble and um Joey Mercury, S- uh, um what is it? Um J and J Security from WWE? Not sure. No seriously not. Um FTM Shed should be on this afternoon as well for trans men. Next Tuesday is the Buy Discussion Group at the Parkview in North Fitzroy. And Bent TV, of course, on 10 o'clock every Friday night. Um, And um, great to catch lots of great interviews with Brenda Appleton and other trans people, um, Simona Capsitram and others over the last few weeks. Um, Anyway, I've got to get in the queer media for this hour very, very quickly. Take it out today with Don Henley, one of the greatest um, songwriters there's been, in my humble opinion, from the end of the Innocence album in the mid-1980s. And, um... 1989 actually more towards the end and got to get down to the heart of the matter thinking about forgiveness always keep trying thanks for tuning in to out of the pan i'm sally goldner catch you next week